It's time for The Drive on TSN 1200, sending you home with everything you need to know about sports. Now with A.J. Jakubek, here's Lee Versage. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Drive here on TSN 1200. Lee Versage, A.J. Jakubek, Matt Connors, Vita. Sends game day. Still eight hours away from the drop of the puck. So we're not exactly on the cusp of it yet, but it's coming. And to get you there, four glorious hours of the drive. Good afternoon, Mr. Jack, you back. How are you? Well, I'm better now, and I'm kind of hoping that we've got a bit of a Seattle show today. Like, you can never go wrong with a Seattle show. I would agree. When it comes to music. There's just so many great possibilities. We've we're all, already done that before. We're all on the same and page. We might as well this. do it again. Especially because we're on the same page for once about this genre. Twice a year, the Suns play the Kraken. Twice a year, we got Seattle shows. It's just, it's going to happen. We need a Seattle-Ottawa final. That would be incredible. Yes. We do need Ottawa in the final. Two weeks of Seattle music? Oh, baby. I don't think if the Ottawa Senators are in the Stanley Cup final that we're playing Seattle music the entire so two Paul weeks. Paul Anka the entire time? If you think and Matt thinks it's a good idea to play Seattle music in the Stanley Cup final, <laughs> yeah, you may hold right. off. Alanis. <laughs> good afternoon, Mr. Conesvita. How are you? Oh, doing terrific. Doing terrific. My last day on the drive for over a week. I got my uh, instructional video on the uh, TSN Twitter page this morning from Matthew Hamer. Quite possibly. The most comedic, the funniest <laughs> that Matt Hamer has ever been. Okay? Congratulations, Matt. You, you've, you've peaked. Okay? This is it for you in the comedy area. Because it's a fantastic video. I'm filling in on mornings for Matthew Hamer, who's mm-hmm. off for March break. I think he's going south for a baseball camp with his son. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he sent me... I think I've counted now five or six emails of various instructions for what to do while he's away, covering for him and working with Ivory Tower in the morning. Mm -hmm. But one of the most, actually the most important thing in the email was that I have to make the coffee for JR in the morning. And when I covered TSN mornings with JR over the Christmas break, I was not aware of this and JR would come in and I had to watch him try to figure out the coffee machine and he'd get it working. But uh, apparently that's not happening again. Jair's not making his own coffee. I'm coming in. And I got the instruction video this morning. I got the tweet from the boss, the quote tweet, about how the quality of the, the, quality of the show is entirely dependent on the quality of the coffee. So I've been taking notes. I, I have some personal thoughts. But you know what? It's not about how I want to make the coffee. No. It's about how... Hammer makes the coffee, how the boss man wants it, so I'm going to follow the instructions. I have some personal thoughts on it as well, AJ. Um, Number one, if the quality of the show is dependent on the quality of the coffee. It's probably not a clean show. feel like they've been doing it a long time, and it's not a clean show. That coffee pot was awfully dirty. And after watching the instructions in the video one time, I feel like JR could just do this. I feel like you can make your own damn coffee. Yeah. Exactly. I did notice that Simmer responded to one of the tweets, and a lot of great replies. Our listeners Mm -hmm. and our Twitter followers are outstanding, as always. Uh, But Simmer responded saying, 
I bring in my own coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't mess with that pot. Smart man. Yeah. I usually pick up a coffee from McDonald's on my way in. Our pal Pino had uh, tweeted me about how he uses a percolator, and he recommends I do that. Tweeted back because I've got one at home. Picked it up when I was in Italy. So if I'm making coffee for myself at home, I've got an espresso machine. I've got a percolator from Italy. Uh, but again, it's all about what the boss man wants. Well, someone else going to Italy. You're not a coffee guy, though. No, not a coffee guy, not a wine guy. Will you be trying coffee mm. while you're in Italy? Because uh, I would try it, I guess. But I'd recommend an espresso macchiato. That's that's the go-to when you're at the. Uh, he already rolled his eyes. That's way know, over his head. I didn't roll my eyes. <laughs> you're not doing it. Well, I didn't say I'm not going to do it. Okay, it looked like you were thinking I'm not going to do I it. I just don't think I'm going to be drinking a lot of coffee or wine when I'm there. Am I going to have the odd taste? Sure. Mm-hmm. But well, the- for example, when I went, one of the gifts I got in the last year, I think it was an anniversary gift for my girlfriend, we went to Navin, did a wine tasting. It was a her gift. It wasn't a, and look, I had a couple of yeah, that's okay glasses, but it's just not for me, mm-hmm. right? Like, it is what it is. I agree. I would try it. I'm not a wine guy either, so I can try different ones. I'm probably not going to like. I feel them. like there's a lot of people not. I I do genuinely believe there's a lot of people that are like that much into wine, but I I think there's some people that are wine snobs that don't even really like it that much. They just like. <laughs> They, they like to be able to say that, oh, this is the dry oak barrel 58 years ago. And, oh, yeah, you can really taste the wood in there. Like, they're just full of it. Okay? Like, like not everyone. Like, the experts, yes. The people that really like it, yes. But I feel like there's some people that just, they like doing it because they think it makes them a little bit high end. Hmm. I don't know what that percentage is. Maybe I should try. Right? Like, it's probably <laughs> higher percentage of people that like it, but there's definitely some that are the latter. Maybe I should try because I won't like it, but I, I can pretend to swirl it and yeah. kind of There's no sm- pretending here. Smell it. I'll have a taste. Eh, it's not for me, and then I'll go back and have a beer. I've been to one wine tasting at a vineyard in Sonoma when I was in California, just outside of San Francisco. Well known for their wine. And... They're, they give you like the little spittoon bucket, and I will tell you. You just wanted to say spittoon? Me and my cousins and my dad and my sister, we weren't spitting the wine out. We were enjoying the tasting, and it wasn't about like fully rinsing between and fully appreciating the different notes and making sure that we didn't get at all inebriated. We were enjoying the wine tour. Okay. Uh, we were not your... The people that you don't like. And there were some of those I didn't say people. I did not like them. I just said there are definitely people for sure. And I can pick them out. <laughs> the reason I recommend that coffee beverage for you, though, AJ, while you're in Italy, if you're going to try it, because coffee in Italy isn't Espresso like... Espresso macchiato? Yes. Because you can't get like the, the tall American style coffee. Is that one of those ones you can't have after 10 a.m.? No, you can have it any time of day. Just not with food. So what what can't you have after 10 a.m. there? Cappuccino okay. is, they'll turn up their noses at you. Uh, 
What? I turn my nose really? right back. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like, if I go in at 10.30 in the morning and I want a cappuccino, they're going to turn their nose up at me? 10.30, you're probably fine. But after huh. lunch, a cappuccino, you're going to get some looks. And if you try to order a coffee with food in Italy, uh, they might refuse you service and bring it to you. Like, you can have one after your meal, but never a cappuccino. Okay. So, But the reason, and again, just the reason I recommend that is because... It has some some steamed milk in it, so it's not quite as bitter as an espresso, and it's something you can down just like it's basically one swig, maybe add a touch of sugar. That's my recommendation if you're going to try coffee while so you're you know, there. So you know how Terry Gray was giving me the gears about, oh, is this a U-trip kind of yesterday? Oh, okay, yeah. I, I remember now, yeah. Does this sound, like I, like, I get it. I'm going to a bunch of soccer games. Does this sound like a me trip? Do you want me to answer honestly or answer with the way that you think I should answer? You answer the way you want to answer. I feel like going to three different countries and six soccer games in two weeks. 19 days. That's one every, that's not even one every three days. I feel like it's some of you. Like it's a, it's if a it was trip. 10 games in 19 days, then no. you would say <laughs> 10 games, nine other. No, but it's actually six and 13. Mm-hmm. And those other 13 days feels like a lot of things and wine tastings and people thumbing their nose at me and <laughs> you can't have this after 10. You can do things that you enjoy as well. Yeah, no. Just the both of you can enjoy. The other thing with Italy is, yes, it's known for wine. Yes, it's known for coffee. You know what else it is? One of the best food countries in the world. I am aware. Trust that, me. There's a list. That's that's going to work out quite nicely and AJ, for you AJ, well. you will be very... Uh, diabolical with your list and i know that you will come home the better when it comes to food when you've gone to a place that's known for their food i there is a lot of things you just asked about you trip and what i know coming home you're going to talk about the food because you've had great food and you have not missed a a beat when it comes to trying all the different places and the best places to try all of those things i have no doubt about that Best places to try at reasonable prices, too. Don't forget that. You have to be thrifty and frugal. I won't say cheap like you did, going through a visa or whatever you're going, whatever you're doing. All right. Red Blacks. Well, no, I want to talk about Athens, and then we'll get into that. Oh, okay. So I went to Athens last night. I've now seen all eight of the teams left in the Eastern Ontario Junior League playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Acropolis. Yeah, they feel like... Did you ask about the history of like the town, I, I the did, rink? No, I learned some things about Athens. Okay. I didn't ask about... I, I think it used to be called Farmersville. Okay. Because I I didn't realize there's a lot of farming down there. Like, yeah. again, this is all kind of new to me. Well, apparently it was called Farmersville at some point. But Athens is a place you have to try to get to. You don't, it's not a place that takes a lot of people through it yeah. by accident. So saw the arrows. Okay. They won last night 5-2 over the Perth Blue Wings. Series nice. is now tied 1-1. Great game. There's about probably, I don't know, 400 people there. Nice. Good atmosphere. Real good concession. Yeah, you were a bit worried about the canteen. Great hot dog. Great fries. Excellent. Yeah. And great hockey game. And and our pal Sean Parker Williams mm-hmm. that I went with, he seemed to know the whole town. The mayor of Athens? Like seemed to know pretty much everyone in the rink. 
So it was great. Got to talk to a lot of people, a lot of good listeners that made sure to come up and say hi. So just wanted to uh, shout out. And, and not only that, it's funny because we were talking about butter tarts last week. Mm-hmm. How about the team going out and picking up a couple of butter tarts at Willard's for me to take home? The team did. Yeah. Okay. So you roll into these towns. How do people know? I guess you have a jacket. We didn't used to have jackets, but now you have jacket. I was going to say, how do people know it's you? Well, I've got a TSN 1200 <laughs> Yeah, jacket. now we have jackets. So, yeah. So I'm pretty easy to pick out. Bald guy, generally with a beard. Yeah, always appreciate when people come say hi. So always, when I'm out at Richcraft on, on Saturday, watching Brad Smith, Coach of the Year in the U18s, make sure you come say hi. There you go. Anyways, wanted to give out a shout out to uh, Michael Seed and the entire uh, Athens Arrows organization because uh, they heard they were fantastic. They heard you couldn't and get to Will- game. you couldn't get to Willard's and get to the game on yeah. time, so they took care of it for you. Which Part- is what we suggested. I suggested that. Why doesn't the team go out and do it for you? They actually did it. Pugger didn't set any land speed records on the way there, but got us there safe. Only missed one goal. And it's all good. Okay. So, again, I feel like even if he did drive slow. Oh, he, which I, he got us there safe. That's what's most important. <laughs> if you wanted to get there faster, you could have driven. I wanted to get there safe. Parker got us there safe. Didn't set any land speed. No, it wasn't Montreal to Ottawa. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, that's a back in the day story, folks, that. AJ got yeah, Steve well, Lloyd and Simmer back from Montreal, I would say, not only on time, but early. Yeah, I made good time <laughs> back in the day, right? But that's back in the day. Yeah. Anyways, looking forward to the game tonight. Can I ask you one more yeah. thing about uh, what is your record going to? It seems like the home team wins a lot when you're there. And maybe I'm just thinking of the last couple, but it does seem that when you go out to these events... Home teams won in a lot. Home teams won four of five of the junior B games. Okay. Because I've seen all eight ranks, but three of them were last year. Okay. Smith Falls, Perth, Castleman. So I've seen the other five ranks this year, and four of those teams won. Richmond didn't win for me. Right. But our buddy Tassa was on the other side. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that's half- junior Canadians who were down 2-1 in the series. That's half a win. Or 2-0 when I go and see them play. Yeah, that's half a win. You're a pretty good luck charm for these people. I don't put too much pressure Gatineau, on you. Gatineau won as well. That's five and one. Yeah, like starting to realize this now that AJ Jackiebeck, I don't know if you can go to Italy anymore. You might have to cancel the, the her trip. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> All right, big hockey game tonight in Seattle. Yeah, Looking forward to it. It is. I, I did want to mention, though, that you know, just to set up our guests that, yeah. you know, Dave Smart is going to join us today, uh, usually on Wednesdays, but he's out East with the men's national championship starting tomorrow. So he'll join us at his regular three Oh five slot just today on Thursday and not yesterday on Wednesday. So he'll be on three Oh five. And then the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks, Bob Dice will join us at four twenty-five. And you and I had a chance to get down to a TD place earlier today 
and meet the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, we had uh, Nadia DeCour on earlier this week. I got to meet her. But, you know, uh, the first real get-together with the media, Kahari Jones and Baron Miles and Nadia DeCour and Mike Fair and the whole cast and crew were there from Bob Dice and Sean Burke and Jeremy Snyder and everyone was there. So nice chance to at least get going with the team and get to meet some of the new faces. Yeah, it was great to have some conversations with people I knew and people that I'd never met before and just looking forward to a group that I think they've put together a pretty good staff. So we'll see. I mean, it's challenging in today's Canadian football league, right? With the uh, staff ops cap Mm -hmm. to do that. But I, I think they've been able to do that and really looking forward to seeing how it comes together at camp and, Obviously, they're putting in a lot of work as it is right now, preparing for the season, preparing for training camp, but, you know, not not too far away, right? We're basically a couple of months away from camp starting, and then it gets going. And when you're outside, you know, it's a little chilly today, but it's it still feels like one of those brisk spring days. But a spring day. Yeah. Yep. Bright, sunny. I agree. Feeling better, a lot of nice days lately, and you can start to get excited about football season a couple of months away. Yeah, it was nice to have a conversation. I know we both did separately with uh, Kahari Jones. Yeah. Uh, Baron Miles. Kahari Jones has been, I don't know if he told you this, but Kahari Jones has now been with eight of the nine CFL teams. He's not been a part of the Toronto Argonauts, but that's that's the nature of the league, right? Mm-hmm. As a player or as a coach, now Kari's been to eight of the nine CFL markets. And it's kind of par for the course, small league. And eventually, if you know what you're doing, and I think he's really good at what he does, you're going to get more opportunities. And that's why he's the offensive coordinator here. I think he's going to do a great job. I thought he did a terrific job in Montreal in very difficult circumstances when he took over that team. Yep. Essentially in preseason. And got them to play real competitive football. And I think he got a raw deal because the general manager wanted to bring in his guy. All right, Danny, that's that's your prerogative as the GM. But it's Ottawa's gain because this is a real good guy to bring into the organization. And, yeah, it was great to, to have an extended chat with Kahari and a lot of the other coaches today as well. Yeah, one of the things I really enjoyed was talking to Baron Miles. We were talking about the Renegades. And how he thought they were much better than people gave him credit for. But then he's like, well, we had a really good team in Montreal. Like, we weren't just good. We were, like, really, really, really good. Yeah. And that was unfortunate for teams like Ottawa. But he was talking about, yeah, the ownership, but the players here. They had some good players here. He just thought that, you know, the rest of the franchise wasn't great. And the fact that. He now has an opportunity to be here under better circumstances, under a much better ownership group. Um, there was a little fire in Baron Miles' eyes. Little disappointed, AJ kind of went around the room and just asked some people what they thought of Dak Prescott looking for just a little help somewhere. I got like full. What were you doing there? An offensive mind. Even they were talking some NFL. They were talking about some other things. It wasn't like it just came out of nowhere. They were talking about their favorite teams. And... No, it definitely didn't come out of nowhere. It's not like they were 
bringing up Dak Prescott. We were talking NFL. We were talking about some other things in the NFL. I can get a lot of thumbs up, though, on the uh, the Dak Prescott thing. So that wasn't that wasn't great. But I respect their opinion a lot. And it feels like they the slotting is much better in the whole organization. When I walked into that room and talked to everyone, it just feels like everyone's in the right places. Doesn't mean it's going to translate to the field, but it does mean that the structure is in place. Yeah, it feels like they've got a great staff. I've said this before, the strength of, especially in football, when you have so many coaches and your head coach is really the overseer, but you've got three coordinators, you've got all these different positional coaches. The strength of Rick Campbell, and he's a real good football coach. Mm -hmm. I really like Rick. I think he's done a great job, and I think he's a real good Canadian Football League coach. The strength of Rick Campbell was he had a really strong staff here when this team was good. And I felt it slipped a little bit towards the end. And, yeah, to see a guy like Travis Moore back, yeah. for example, is is fantastic. A guy that, you know, is known around the league as a really good receivers coach. And Michael Fair is a guy that you saw how good the defensive line was last year and all sorts of experience. And, and we need to get him on just to talk about his story and mm -hmm. how he went from NFL scout to personnel to NFL coach and now in the Canadian Football League, it is a fascinating story. So yeah, it was, it was great. I was I had a great conversation with uh, Corey McDermott, special teams coordinator, mm -hmm. who came last year and just talking about his experience in Poland, coaching there and what it was like. And yeah, I mean, just uh, so many great stories for sure. So it was uh, great to have those conversations today. And yeah, look forward to talking to Bob at four twenty five. Yeah, so we'll do that. Talk to the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blocks. Uh, tell you what, we'll take a quick break. Matt Consvita with a look at your traffic weather. Then we'll get into uh, the Ottawa Senators. DJ Smith has spoken. Uh, some of the players uh, have spoken. And it's just a really big game for the Ottawa Senators in Seattle against the Kraken tonight. And for Sens fans, you can scoreboard watch before the game. And then you can settle in for your game because it's an 8 o'clock pregame here on TSN 1200 with the puck drop at 10 Dean Brown, Gord Wilson, Seattle Kraken, and the Ottawa Senators here on TSN 1200. Let's get back to the drive on the home of the Sens, TSN 1200. Welcome back to the drive. Leave stage. AJ Jack, you back, Matt Connors, Vita. All right, Sens and the Kraken tonight, AJ. Uh, we're going to hear from the coach in a few minutes, but just uh, an initial thought. Uh, first of all, and just how big of a game and how big of a weekend this is. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, for the Ottawa Senators, um, they've just put themselves in a spot where every game is important, but boy, the next three and four are going to be awfully critical to where they're going. Yeah, they're in a spot where there's not a lot of margin for error, where a bad week at this point can sink them. And... They've started with a bad week, right? It's just one game out of four, and that's the one you would have liked to see them win for sure. But they've got three games left to try and salvage this week and salvage this road trip. A lot of time, a lot of games. Uh, they've had a couple of days to kind of snarl over what happened Monday in Chicago, and they're going to have to be ready tonight. They're going to have to be 
A game tonight, how they played against Detroit, how they played against the Rangers. Bringing it with all four lines. And it's going to be a tough test, as we talked about within the last couple of days, just how deep this Seattle team is and how they get scoring from all four of their lines. So going into this game, when it comes to the forwards, the five highest scoring forwards in the game tonight are all in the Ottawa Senators. 12 of the next 13 are on Seattle. So that means Ottawa has the advantage or should have the advantage in terms of what their top guys bring. But clearly when you get down to lines three and four, it's a major advantage for Seattle. And and I think that goes for them against almost every team in the National Hockey League. They've built themselves a team through expansion that feels like they've got four second and third lines that can all create offense, that they can come at you in waves. So this is going to be a very difficult game here tonight. And the one thing that gives me a little bit of confidence is the Ottawa Senators generally when they play a stinker tend to respond, tend to play well. And they're going to need to tonight to get anything out of this game in Seattle. Yeah, they flew after the game, which I found a little curious, but they thought that that was the best way to go. And so they've been in Seattle since late Tuesday night, early or late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Lots of time to be adjusted. Optional skate earlier today, but no excuses. I don't care if Seattle's playing well, and they are playing well, right? Since they lost to the Leafs 5-1, they've won five in a row. And they're, they haven't played, I mean, they played the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings and the Ducks, but they also, you know, they beat Colorado in overtime. They've won some road games. This is a, this is a really good team. They put up eight against Ottawa. So are they, the Senators have a big challenge in front of them today. Let's hear from the head coach, uh, DJ Smith, who just spoke to the media a little bit earlier this afternoon. All right, coach, what can you uh, tell us about your lineup? First of all, um, there'll be some, uh, tinkering but uh, we won't know exactly till tonight make sure everyone's healthy but uh, we'll know by warm-up game time decisions then obviously and I would assume maybe a game time decision on Parker Kelly he's been out for the last seven and I know you've said in the past you don't like to let guys sit too long no um, but in saying that uh, you know Brass is a plus player he's got 11 goals so um, there's tough decisions uh, always as to who's going to play and uh, um, you know whoever we decide uh, in those spots, we'll be ready. What's the main message that you're sending your team tonight? Well, it's different on the road, clearly. Um, and this team's four lines deep, and they check. And we have to have that mentality. Um, and, uh, you know, if we want to out-check them, we're going to get more opportunities. You can't just go in thinking of ways to, to score because they do track back, and then they counter very good. Um, they have big D. Um Clearly, they're in a playoff spot and they're playing very well. So we have to respect the fact that uh, you know they really took it to us in our building this year, and we got to be ready. Okay. Uh, aside from the Chicago game on Monday, I think 21 <clears throat> even strength goals in the four previous games. Are you encouraged with what you're seeing 
with the exception of Chicago, encouraged with what you're seeing five on five? Yeah, I mean, we're getting more pucks to the net. Our forwards are getting to the net. Um, and we're getting some ugly goals. We went <clears throat> a long time without getting ugly goals. And, and uh, you know, we have been getting those. Uh, and the key is to get to the net, but we got to deliver the puck to the net. So the more do you get it there, uh, the more the forwards go, and, and the more luck is tends to be on your side. You touched on this a bit already, but how do you slow down a Seattle team top five in scoring? Is it as simple as being physical right out of the gates on the forecheck? Well, you have to play on offense. If... If you're just going to sit back and try and defend them the entire night, they're coming in waves. We've got to make them be changing all night by holding on to pucks in the ozone. If we do that, we're going to give ourselves a chance. So there's DJ Smith, the 37-21-6 Seattle Kraken. And just two points out of the Pacific lead. I mean, Vegas and LA, AJ. The division leaders at 82 points and the Kraken with 80. Yeah, that division's wide open. L.A., Seattle, Calgary's getting back into the mix. Of course, you've got Edmonton, Vegas. I I think good luck. I'm going to pick Edmonton, but I I don't have a lot of faith just because I think Edmonton's got the most upside. When McDavid and Dreisaitl are going, they're tough to beat. And if they get any kind of secondary support and with the addition of Alcom and if Skinner can at least be decent in goal then I like Edmonton but but Seattle they look like a team that should be built for the playoffs playing good 5 on 5 four lines deep big defense as DJ Smith mentioned so this is going to be this this is not going to be a game where you're going to run right like they ran Detroit out of the rink two games in a row mm-hmm there's not going to be a lot of games like that, especially against good teams. They're not going to be able to run a team like Seattle out of the rink. But they do have to bring some energy and some physicality and a four-line game. For Ottawa to find a way to win here tonight and against a lot of these good teams, they need their third and fourth lines to not be outscored. And, and look, if they give up a goal and score a goal, so be it. But I think if they can stay even with other teams' bottom six, then it's up to your top six to go out and outscore the other team's top six. And I think they should be able to do that with a lot of different teams. I mean, Edmonton being one notable exception. But this is going to be a major challenge because I think you're asking a lot from a group especially that really misses Pinto being in that group mm-hmm. with Norris being out for the season. But better lately, right? And I think that's a reason why they have had a lot more success lately because they have got goals from Austin Watson and Derek Broussard and Joseph has chipped in offensively and and been a lot better lately. And so, yeah, I, I think if those guys play well, but in the end... It's your top guys, right? You need Shabbat to play better. You need from the other night, right? Shabbat, DeBrinkett, Batherson. There's three guys that needs to, to need to step it up from the other night. I have no concern about the top line. Stutzla, Giroux, and, and Kachuk. Look, everyone had an off night the other night, but they've had so many good nights. I expect they'll get back right on the horse here tonight. 
One of the things I find interesting about some of the teams that they're going to face here on the trip, you would think that those West Coast teams, when they're home and they're facing Eastern teams, it's a tough trip, right, for Eastern teams. The Western teams aren't great at home. They're actually really good on the road. The Seattle Kraken are 21-9-3 on the road. Vegas is 17-7-5 on the road. The Edmonton Oilers, 19-10-3 on the road. But they don't have fantastic home records. I've got a belief that when you go out on the road together for, that's why I dislike those one gamers where Ottawa goes and plays Carolina and comes home. And right. I don't, number one, it's just not efficient from a travel perspective. Travel's really expensive, really expensive in North America right now with everything, fuel costs, hotel costs, everything's through the roof. I mean, everything's getting expensive. I get that. But in the last six to eight years, in Canada, the United States, travel is ridiculously expensive. And I know, for example, it's affected a couple of decisions in terms of what the Red Blacks are doing on the road this year. So, like, charter trips that might have cost 75 to 90 grand in the past are closer to 200. Like, it's really expensive, right? So, to me, it's... And I get, I'm, I'm kind of going down a different road than you probably expected, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't care that you're billion dollar league and all this type of stuff. You could always cut down on expenses to, to go down and play Carolina for a one-off. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I completely like, agree with you. Every, every, every trip, the Ottawa senators go across the border. You go to Toronto, you go to Montreal, fine, but you're going across the border. You should be going, like, if you go to Boston, maybe you can do a two-gamer. But it should be pretty much a three-gamer every time you go. And those teams in the West, the Edmontons, the Vegas, the Seattles, the Vancouvers, the teams that are a little bit further out, they do a lot of long road trips. And you know what? I think it's beneficial. I think it's an easier way to travel. I'll tell you, for me personally, doing the 67s, and doing the Oil Kings, I preferred the Oil Kings travel to the 67s travel in the sense that, all right, tell me you got a six-game trip in 10 days, you're packing for a week and a half, you're going on the bus, and you're hitting Regina and Saskatoon and Brandon and all the, the different spots in the prairies. Perfect. I'm good. Tell me you got a Friday night game at home with the Ottawa 67s like they do this weekend, and then you're going to play two games in the GTA, and you got three games in two and a half days, and you're coming back. I'm exhausted by the end of that trip, and I'm not playing a game. I'm not skating a shift, right? So you can't even imagine how it is for the players. So I think the same applies when when you're doing those Tuesday night trips to Carolina and coming back home and playing the next day versus going out on the road on a trip like this with five games and multiple different spots and a couple of days in between to kind of catch your breath between Chicago and Seattle. Like to me, this is a great opportunity for bonding for that group, right? Cause it's, it is a newer group, right? You're, you're adding Jacob Chikrin into the fold, mm-hmm. a group that, you know, was feeling pretty good about themselves until the last game. But I think, that's where, you know, I'm hoping that some of that bonding and some of that positive energy that they've been able to build up from the last month and a bit 
and the way they've played, I'm hoping that should be able to translate into some good performances on the road here, which should help. To me, I don't want to hear any excuses about if they lose tonight, oh, it's it's so difficult, the time zone travel and 10 p.m. start, and I don't want to hear about any of that nonsense. You've, you've got... You got there Monday, right? You got there Monday. You've you've had two days in between games. Mm-hmm. Like I truly believe that's a way easier trip for the Ottawa Senators than playing Tuesday night and home and then going to Carolina on a Wednesday and thinking that you're gonna get something out of that trip. So let's let's see how they respond, right? They they need they need multiple wins here in the next Four games, ideally at least three, right? Three and one, you kind of feel like you're back on track. You come home and you get ready for a murderer's role in the schedule. I mean, two, one, and one would be, I guess, acceptable. But, man, if if you're not finding a way to win multiple games, this run could be over barely after it started, right? In terms of meaningful games in March. So that that's the predicament that the Ottawa Senators are in right now, and that's why tonight's game is so important. I like the point about some of the new guys, not only Chikrin, but, of course, the goals. Patrick goals. Brown. Patrick Brown. Goalies. The goalies. Goche. Like, there's some people that haven't been around all that long, and this is a nice trip for them to come together, and they're going to have to and put a couple of points in the bank in Seattle tonight. Uh, speaking of the goalies, we'll ask you the web poll of the day when we come back. Yeah, and one last one. I, I like I've seen it a lot in football, right? That ten o'clock start. You've worked a lot of those games back here, mm-hmm. and you know what? When you're a good team, you win some of those games. Yep. When you're a bad team, you don't. So that, that it's as simple as that. When those when those ten o'clock starts happen, the good teams make no excuses. They just go out and win games. We're going to find out a lot about this team, the rest of this trip, and over the course of the next four games, and hopefully over the course of the next month. We'll ask you the web poll question about the goaltenders. And then Dave Smart, just after 3 o'clock, head coach of the Red Box, Bob Dykes, in the 4 o'clock hour here on The Drive on TSN 1200. The Drive continues on TSN 1200. Welcome back to The Drive. Lever Sage, AJ Jakubek, and Matt Conisvita. The TSN 1200 web poll of the day. It's brought to you by the Tool and Equipment Store. It has to do with the goaltending. I like it today. It's simple. To the point. And it reads like this. Are you confident a combo of Mad Sogard and Kevin Mandelese can keep the Sens in the playoff race? Yes or no? There are 2,300 votes and counting. People are weighing in. AJ, your thoughts? Yes or no? Yeah, I voted yes because I do think they can keep them in the playoff race. I think it's going to be a struggle to get into the playoffs Mm -hmm. with this schedule. And again, just the youth and potential inconsistency of needing two guys to win games for you down the stretch, even if it's only a handful of games for Mandalay. But yes to yes, I do think 
they can keep them in the playoff race. The vote right now, after over 2,300 votes, 55% yes, 45% no. Pretty even. With a slight advantage, but there's obviously some question marks and some discrepancy on whether people think they can do it or not. I think it's going to have more to do with the team and the way they play in front of their goaltender than the actual goaltending. Unfortunately, I voted no. And it's just based on the amount of games, their experience, and how tight their margin for error is. Unfortunately, they've been put in a spot now. It's not... Look, you're playing professional sports, everything's fair, but they've been put into a spot where their margin of error is not very big. And that's a little unfair to very inexperienced goaltenders in the National Hockey League that suddenly it's one goal here, one goal there, and you actually haven't kept them in the playoff race, even though it's only one bad goal. It's unfair, but that's the spot that they're in right now. Um, I'm hoping to be wrong. Matt, what do you think? Uh, it's it's a really good question because I'm right in the middle. I'm having trouble trouble deciding which one to. I, I think I'm with you, Lee. I, I think it's it's just such a tough spot, and like you've talked about, Mad Sogard allowing a bad goal pretty much every game and in many in most of his performances it hasn't mattered and the team's picked him up but as the pressure ratchets up and and uh, the as as we've discussed it's not an easy schedule down the line and the the every other team is stepping their game up this time of year as well it's it's a lot of pressure um i i really hope that they can keep them in the race but i'm not confident about it and again, if the team plays really well like they did in the Detroit games, then it won't matter. But that's Detroit, not as good of an opponent as, say, Seattle tonight, Edmonton coming up on Tuesday. And then after that, Boston, Toronto, Colorado, Tampa. The team's got to play better, but the team's not going to run those teams out of the rink like they did against Detroit. So... At some point, goaltending is going to matter because the teams are just too good. It's a big weekend for them because we were talking about this, right? And I don't think, look, they've got two average hockey teams on the weekend. Vancouver hasn't been very good, but they're playing better since some of the uncertainty. I mean, it's never good when you know the head coach isn't the guy, right? Mm -hmm. And Vancouver management made it very clear that Bruce Boudreaux wasn't the guy going back to the off season. They, they handled that so poorly. They're playing better now. Right. Mm-hmm. And Calgary all of a sudden won a couple of games and they're right in the mix as well. Trying to catch Winnipeg and you know, Edmonton and some other teams there for one of the last playoff spots. You've got, and then you got Edmonton who you've been terrible against the last few years. Like this could be over by the weekend. Right? Like, if you lose three in a row, I think you're done. I don't yeah. think they're losing three in a row, but 
there has to be some urgency here because right now you're five games over 500. If you lose three in a row, you're two games over 500. And the teams that are going to be in the playoffs, like worst case scenario tonight is a three-point game. Either way, Pittsburgh and Islanders. Worst case scenario. You just hope that game doesn't go to overtime. Personally, I hope the Islanders win. Why? Because I'd rather be able to chase two teams than one. Mm -hmm. And I think the Islanders are going to have, based on their schedule, based on the fact that you play Pittsburgh, so that's actually one four-pointer. Feel like if the Islanders win, that Pittsburgh might be the easier team to catch. I'd just rather have two teams where if one of them flounders, rather than just having to rely on one team. So that's that's why I want the Islanders to win in regulation tonight. Okay. Then they'd both be nine games over five hundred. And if you win tonight, you're six, right? So very much in the mix. Very much in the mix. Either way, I mean. Even if it goes the other way, but it it can get away from you in a hurry. If nine is the mark by the end of the weekend, and you're you're at two, two. (laughs) right? So they've got to find a way to win some games, and let's see what they bring tonight in Seattle. That's why it's fun, right? That's why so many Sens fans are going to be staying up, yep, till twelve thirty one in the morning to. To watch how this goes tonight and through the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Just looking at the Pittsburgh schedule, before Ottawa plays them on March 20th, they have the Rangers three times. A little quirk in the schedule. Unfortunately, they also have Philadelphia and Montreal at home, which you would think they'd be able to take advantage of. But if you're looking for two teams to be in the race... Maybe Pittsburgh has a little bit more of a difficult schedule than the Islanders do. We'll take a break. Come back with what you need to know. Dave Smart joins us next here on The Drive on TSN 1200.